0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. What you think about Hi, everyone. Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and I hope you enjoyed our opening music. It's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and feel free to download that on any of your favorite music channels. For those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks Radio has been around Oh gosh, for about 10 years now, and we're about sound information, not just sound bites. We want to raise all voices all around the world who are dealing with dementia. Today, we are going to be talking about speech therapy. But before I do that, I just want to give a shout out to Artist Senior Living of Wilmette in Illinois. I'm going to be doing a caregiver survival camp which will be a virtual webinar Tuesday, March 23rd from 5.30 to 6.30, and anybody can register for that. Just uh, call 224-408-3152, or you can go to theartistway.com forward slash Wilmette events and find more information there. Also want to shout out to the Memory Cafe directory if you're looking for a wonderful support group where both the person with dementia Dementia, directory.com and then of course dementia map our global resource directory which we just launched um, right before the new year and i'm so proud of how that is growing but there's lots of great information out there and if you have a service product or tool and want to be part um, please feel free to reach out to me for more information And then Coral Health, I always like to mention, they're allowing people during COVID to still download two of their music apps, um, Music First and Coral Faith. And you can go ahead and um, just go to CoralHealth.com. That's C-O-R-O Health.com. And last, I want to invite you to Arthur's Memory Cafe. We do that the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock which is virtual. And again, you can reach out to me for more information on that. So let's get to our guest. I am thrilled to be talking today with Dr. Kelly A. Utenham, and she is a nationally certified speech and language pathologist. She is the owner of Serenity Speech Therapy, which is a private telepractice company. And Dr. Utenham is a medical speech and language pathologist who specializes not only in young adults, but adults and geriatrics. She works on treating articulation, cognitive and swallowing and fluency, as well as voice deficits. Kelly has worked in skilled nursing, assisted living, as well as independent living communities. She has experience as a travel speech and language pathologist and is licensed to practice in seven different states providing uh, telehealth. She also has access to the SpeechEasy wearable device for persons who stutter as well as Speak Out, which is a provider uh, that helps people with Parkinson's. So Kelly, I am so excited to have you on the show today. I think this is a really important topic. So many people, I think, don't understand about speech therapy. So again, thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us.
1: Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here.
0: Well, I think we're going to have like a fun and interesting conversation and hopefully open some people's eyes. Now, before I started my line of questioning, I always like to ask every guest if they have been personally touched in their own family or circle of friends by dementia.
1: Um, I have not experienced the personal touch of dementia um, with anybody in my immediate family, but... Um, I do end up forming a very strong connection with my um, patients. And so I do treat them like family. So I believe that it touches my heart in a very, very similar way.
0: I love that, that you treat them like family and touches your heart. Because I think that's the main point of our our connections. The depth um, is what really matters. Why don't we start out with uh, telling our audience, what the heck is speech therapy? Yes. (laughs) I think so many people don't really you know, they know the term and they like, well, okay, it has to do with my language, but they really don't know specifics.
1: Yes. Um, It's very common for when I was seeing um, patients in a skilled nursing facility or um, anytime in person, it's very common for um, patients to tell me nothing's wrong with my speech. I don't need speech therapy, (laughs) Um, but speech therapy is um, a very vast profession. So a lot of times people can associate that with a pediatric speech therapist. I am a medical speech therapist, so I deal with adults. Um, Speech-language pathology is, I'm going to read the definition from ASHA, um, a work to, we work to prevent, assess, diagnose, and treat speech, language, social communication, cognitive communication, and swallowing disorders in children and adults. And it's the cognitive communication disorder part that um, often brings me to my patients who have dementia. And um, that can lead to swallowing disorders because, of course, swallowing um, is controlled by the brain. So we um, work with our patients in that regard. I always say that my scope of practice is... um, here and here, and so I put my hand above my head because that encompasses the brain and then um, mid chest level to um, to include voice and swallowing
0: okay, and I think that you know the swallowing piece so many people don 't understand, and yet it is it can become a big issue with many in fact, I just had somebody from our memory cafe and they had to have a speech therapist um, do an evaluation of their loved one because she needed her medications either crushed or liquid and they wouldn't cover the cost unless it was prescribed and said, no, this is, this is a physical thing. She's not faking it. And, and so uh, there's so many of those things that, that come up with people um, on that. What are some of the benefits that you can provide to a person, you know, living with dementia and their family?
1: Well, as we know, dementia is a progressive disease and so including or incorporating speech therapy can help to slow the process because um, going through graduate school and um, even you know, part of my doctoral studies, the brain still is, of course it's still functioning, but you know those cells are dying. And so exercising the brain, cognitive challenges, Um, The things that they may experience, um, word finding issues, of course, memory issues, sequencing, problem solving, um, all of those things are taken into consideration. And the goal for speech therapists um, is to slow the process of dementia and help the person who has dementia to maintain their independence as long as possible. And also, um, it's widely beneficial to the caregivers because, of course, there's caregiver burnout. How do you communicate with a person with dementia? Um, What can you say to to keep them as happy and uh, maintain their quality of life or improve their overall quality of life? Um, And caregivers are a big part of that.
0: Thank you. Um, I, I think that that's a a really good thing to include kind of the family and how it supports them, because this yeah. really is a team effort in terms yeah. of you know just getting us to be able to communicate or, you know, when it comes to feeding as well yeah. in terms of being able to get that that nutrition um, in and down. So important. What are some of the misconceptions that you that you hear people have about what it is you do and how you do it?
1: Um, common misconceptions are that I only um, work with children. And oddly enough, I don't work with any children. Um, another misconception would be that I only um, address talking or speaking. And um, I just think that a huge misconception is just the lack of knowledge. So they don't know that um, I address cognition Um, The way somebody thinks, word finding if someone's having a tough time, like they know what they want to say. It's on the tip of their tongue. Um, The voice aspect of it. they are just parts of speech therapy that are not listed in the name. And so a lot of people um, don't know to consider those things when um, talking about this profession.
0: Exactly. I, I think it's funny when you say only kids, and I think people think, well, maybe if somebody has a stroke,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: but there's, there's so many other elements that can come into play. And a person with dementia isn't limited just to dementia. I mean, they could have a stroke, they could have all, you know, brain traumas, they could have all different types of situations that might cause a need um, to tap into a, a speech therapist. And so I think that that's really important. Same with the care partners. You know, if they're having a difficult time, that's going to, you know, um, with their word find or their cognition or uh, their tone of voice or whatever it might be, that's going to make it more difficult for the person with dementia to understand what they're saying, too. So this isn't a one-sided thing. This is just in terms of opening up communication um, so that we can all be the best we can. That's Um, right in those in those circumstances. Now, is there a certain type of dementia um diagnosis that you see more often than that?
1: Um I see a lot of Alzheimer's, of course. Um it's rare to see like a Lewy bodies dementia um or a vascular dementia. Um but I do see quite a bit of Alzheimer's and that is also a misconception. People think that the two are completely different. Dementia is an umbrella term and there are different kinds of dementia that are underneath that um, umbrella term.
0: What about, um, you know, a symptom of aphasia? Can you explain what that is?
1: Sure. So aphasia is, it literally means without words um losing part of your language and so that was um I kind of touched on it when I said you know if if you feel like the word is at the tip of your tongue then um you know it's there but you can't come up with it that is a kind of aphasia um with word finding but there are um different kinds of aphasia where you may suffer a stroke and you feel or the person with the with the person with aphasia believes that they're communicating effectively, but they're not. And so we call that expressive aphasia. So if someone is trying to say, I really like your blouse, it could come out, and for them, that truly is them saying, I like your blouse. So that can be extremely frustrating when you're trying to express something to somebody, you're trying to communicate and you can't. And then you also have to consider... You know, if someone has to go to the bathroom or if they're in pain or if they're hungry or they don't like the meal um, or beverage that they're provided with, how are they going to communicate that to a caregiver or a loved one? Um, there is receptive um, aphasia. So you're speaking clearly to a person with aphasia, but they can't understand what it is that you're saying.
0: Yeah, I, I know we had um, a, a real dear friend who had aphasia and her words were just all jumbled. And it was amazing how, you know, she would, she would stumble and pause and say her words. And yet it made you, it forced you to pay attention. And it was kind of like reading a sentence that shouldn't make any sense, but you know the words or putting a word together and everything's jumbled and you just, you know what it is. And, you know, I found when I, when I slowed down, when I was just really present, I could still figure out. What was being said, and yet it's it's scary sometimes to people to hear that and go, "Oh my gosh, what's going on?" And they're just like it's so different and they push away and and just the the, the fear that people feel yes. about that um, in, inability to speak how we once did. And yet, um, you know, I, I found that you could do it if you just turned off everything else in your head that was spinning
1: around. Yes, and, yes.
0: And then, you know, you pull in kind of the body language and things too. Can you give us any pointers in terms of if someone's having trouble with word find? Because I think probably everyone listening is going to have to admit that they've had problems <laughs> with word find at one time. Are there are there different um, games or You know, techniques that you can um, engage in to to help with that?
1: Absolutely. Um, The very first thing that I like to do with my patients who have aphasia is um, automatic speech. So if you think about um, singing a song or counting saying the days of the week, um, the letters of in the alphabet, all of those are automatic speech. So that means that you've said them so many time, you've, you, times, you've repeated it so many times that you could wash dishes, do the laundry, make up your bed and vacuum and still be able to do those things and not think about it. It's completely automatic. So starting with um, the alphabet, that's easy. And then you um, increase the challenge level progressively, um, the better that they get at it. Um, A lot of times I like to incorporate things that are functional for uh, my patients. So if they love gospel music, um, then I will play a song that's slow enough for them. A lot of times it's um, Amazing Grace. Um, A lot of times um, I've got patients who love Johnny Cash or... um, the Motown, um, hits. And so I will play songs from their era and that's automatic speech because if it's a favorite song, then they know it. So you can drive and sing your favorite song and not even pay attention that, you know, every single word it's automatic to you. So that's one. And, um, I also incorporate, you know, if it's, um, a patient who was a mom or a wife and a homemaker, then I'll include um, telling them to find different words uh, or starting with a specific letter, and tell me all of the groceries that you may find in a in a market that start with this letter. And so you're building on things that are important and functional to them, um, while kind of making it fun and a game.
0: Okay. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to mention when you brought up the music, because I do hear some people go, I can sing it just fine, but I can't speak it mm-hmm. just fine. And what what's behind that?
1: So there's a technique called melodic intonation, and that includes the musical piece um, for the word finding and the automatic speech. It kind of ties it all together. If that makes sense.
0: Okay. Because yeah. you, you hear that even with uh, singers and stuff. You know, they'll say, I'm, I'm really shy or I stutter, you know, or people who do stutter, which can be a problem too. And some people don't stutter and then all of a sudden that becomes an issue. Um, and I would imagine that might be out of, just self-consciousness of am I going to make a mistake if I've got dementia, you know, and then there's more fear in that. And then sometimes I would imagine that makes you spin in a whole other, whole other cycle. Do you, do you find that at all?
1: I have um, treated a patient who had um, dementia related stuttering and um, that led me to discover the speech easy um, I am a Speech easy provider for, I'm, I'm in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, Charlotte and surrounding areas. The Speech easy is a device that you place in the ear. It's a wearable device and it, um, it uses the choral effect. And so in persons who stutter, if you speak in tandem with them, like if you read um, um, along with them, whether it's a story or a Bible verse or um, anything where you can read at the same time as them, that tricks the brain into thinking that it is um, that it doesn't need to stutter. And the, of course, the brain is a very complex um, piece of the body and constantly being studied, but the choral effect is something that works to significantly decrease. And in some people stop stuttering and um, the same thing works when you sing.
0: Oh, interesting. I was, yeah, I had gone on your website and I saw the speech easy, but I didn't really know what that what that yes. was. So w- when you say it's the, the choral effect, does it, uh, is it like playing their voice in their ears so that they don't, yes.
1: okay. Yes, so it, the device actually looks like a, a tiny hearing aid. There are uh-huh. there are four models and um, they're pretty discreet. So, you know, if you are wearing, a hat or you have you know your hair down, then um it's very difficult to see, but it uses the person's voice to echo what they're saying,
0: okay, and so
1: it sounds like someone is speaking with them at the either at the exact same time or with a slight delay, and the stuttering stops,
0: okay, are there techniques in terms of when people are doing word find where you know, maybe they had a large vocabulary and they can't do as many syllables to to tell them to, you know, maybe find a simpler word. Is that ever? Does that ever come into play? I like I said, I know nothing, so I'm my <laughs> mind's just out there.
1: <laughs> um. So finding synonyms for words that were more complex and they want to use a less um, complex word. Hmm. I don't um,
0: know I, if that. It, I, don't, I don't know if that would make it easier for them to speak or if that's adding more to the process of trying to spit something out, you know?
1: Um, in, in terms of someone who has a, a large vocabulary, I have worked with people who are like public speakers or um, held some sort of office and, um, you know, they begin having an issue with word finding. I incorporate the words that are functional and important for them. So I'm not gonna have somebody who used to drive, drive for a living, you know, working on words that a politician would use. So each of my programs are really tailored specifically to what the patient needs, their backgrounds, their interests, um, what's going to make it easier for their family or their caregivers. So if it were an issue of, um, A more complex word versus a more simple word, I would want to know if that's what the patient wanted or if they want to continue to use the larger words. And if that's the case, then I would definitely create a plan and come up with activities um, where they would be able to hold on to that or rebuild or regain some of the things that they've lost.
0: Okay. Good to know. Um, I wanted to also touch on um, swallowing. Are there like physical exercises To get people to swallow
1: or? Absolutely. Yes. So, um, swallowing, of course, is controlled and and completed with muscles. And as we get more seasoned, I don't like to say older, as we get more seasoned, um, our muscles can atrophy, they can get weaker. um, And, you know, just like any other muscle in the body, if um, if it's weak, you can do exercises to strengthen it. The same with the brain. So um, you can use your tongue to to do those exercises. Um, there, are, you can actually use the weight of your head as an exercise, um, lifting it off of the pillow um, if you're laying on the bed. Um, there are several techniques that have um, been studied and incorporated into speech therapy. But yes, I do provide, um, in some cases, quite extensive um, exercises to strengthen those swallowing muscles.
0: Okay. Okay, great. Um, Now, I want to talk, you know, COVID's probably changed everything around for you in terms of how how you serve from being in person to um, going virtual. Um, Can you tell us kind of both sides of the coin, what life was like before and what you hope maybe it gets back to? (laughs) Along with the the COVID conversion (laughs) in terms of treatment?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before it was, I mean, you, you get that human connection and, you know, if someone's having a tough time, whether it's completing the activity or if they get tearful, which, you know, it's, it's common, you know, you feel like I know that I can do this. I used to be able to do this and I just, I can't now and I need help. So that can be very overwhelming because you think it's so simple. It's so simple to, you know, to to swallow this applesauce or to come up with five different animals and they just, they're struggling with it. So if they become tearful or emotional, you know, being able to rub someone's back or hold their hand or pass them tissue, that's the, the human connection that I absolutely miss. Um, because now it's, you know, you could do those things, but are you, putting yourself at risk? Or are you putting the patient at risk? And just that fear, um, has absolutely changed the way that therapy is done. You have to think about the people who are hard of hearing. So you have a mask on, you're trying to explain to them what you're doing, and then they're getting frustrated because you have a mask over your face and they can't hear you very well. So, those are some pros and cons of being in person during this time the video the telepractice um side of it you don't get that connection like if they're upset and you know needing a tissue or you know just just a physical connection of a touch hand to hand or um that's tough but if they're if they have you know a child there or a caregiver who can who can offer that human connection, that's amazing. But with the telepractice side of things, it's absolutely the safest, I think, at this time.
0: Yeah. Maybe you tell them to have a box of Kleenex and then if they get teary and don't want to grab one, you can pass them one through right. and they can pull <laughs> one up <laughs> and, and maybe get them to laugh, you know, a little bit too. Right, right. So,
1: I, do, I do do uh, virtual high fives, which I think <laughs> um, helps to keep them engaged and, and excited and give themselves a pat on the back for doing a great job.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. What, um, before COVID, um, did people come to an office or do you go to their home or how how did that work?
1: So before COVID, I was, um, I was still seeing people via tele because I have seven state licenses. And so I see people across the country um, to physically see people here in North Carolina. I would go into skilled nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, independent living facilities and um, be in their home in their space and do therapy that way, but I've always done both. And so now I'm just only doing tele.
0: Okay, okay. And for a session, how long does that typically run just for a per session? And then, you know, if you can kind of give us an idea of how long a therapy would last. And I'm sure that that varies depending on each person and their situation.
1: Yes. Okay, let's see here. Therapy sessions, again, I tailor mine specifically to what the patient needs um, and really what they can do. So, you know, in when I was in person and in SNFs and ALFs, ILFs, I would it really was based off of like what they could handle. So it could be any anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour So I always say I'm here to help, not to hurt or hinder. So if there's um, a patient who is just not having a great day, they may have been up all night. They may have had an episode where they, you know, had a tough situation with a caregiver. They didn't want to do something. And, you know, they're just exhausted. They're spent from the evening before. Well, I'm not going to um, make somebody address something that could already be challenging and frustrating for them for 45 minutes so i will do something functional with them and then i could add a longer session the next time that i see them when they're feeling better and more up to it Um, on the tele side my sessions are typically 30 minutes if um, the family and the patient um, are for it then we can do anywhere from 45 to 60 minutes and um I base my frequency, how, how often I see them off of their comfort level. So I, I can do anywhere from one to five sessions a week. And um, that's also based on insurance and private pay. Okay. So with insurance, insurance is going to reimburse a certain amount of sessions in a certain amount of time. And if you're private pay, then it's really then I'm really able to tailor it to what that patient or what that family wants or needs.
0: Okay. That was going to be one of my questions in in terms of insurance. And I would imagine that they have to first get referred from their regular doctor over to you um, for that coverage, kind of the normal process um, when you're pulling in a specialty person. Now, one thing that we didn't um, mention was what uh, what
1: states you're in. Do you want to go ahead and plug those so people know where you're
0: licensed in?
1: Sure. I am licensed to practice in North Carolina, California, Virginia, Georgia, Florida, Indiana, and Massachusetts.
0: Okay. That's quite the variety there. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of licensing to keep up with.
1: (laughs) It is. It is. But that was uh, one of the joys of doing travel therapy, all the licenses. So I knew I was going to do... tele teletherapy with my private practice so I just kept them all and I've been able to use them which has been great because I've been able to help so many people during the pandemic
0: oh that's fantastic now do you find many families um reaching out individually or do you find most coming through you know their insurance plans and through their doctors
1: so far it's been um them finding me on their own through google or um, word of mouth actually Isn't that interesting? Yes, it is. You do all this work to get panel with these insurance companies and they find you on their own anyways, organically. I love it.
0: Well, I I think that has something to say about our medical system. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I know I'm, I'm trying to get into a a specialist and they're like, well, you know, we're, we're booked out, you know, it'll probably be three or four months before you can even get an appointment. And it's, I mean, it's nothing major, but it's like I can see where people would just give up and go out on their own and start searching around and stuff too, um, especially when it comes to something like this. Like communication is so vital yes. in terms of who we are and our our feeling of feeling part of. It, it's just it, it, you know it um, it can affect so many other aspects of our of our health. You know. Oh, yeah. um, depression and anger and I mean the list goes on and on and on and you know everybody deals with those factors differently so that can trigger other things from you know maybe somebody drinking or taking medications to offset what they're feeling if they' if they're not finding a way to, to try to deal with this and Absolutely. so I would you know I would really encourage people if they if they have any question, you know push the doctor get that referral. And if you can't get it from one, you go to another one, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. and people dealing with dementia are used to that. Um, sad to say, um, but they, they need to have somebody who understands the needs instead of, Oh, this is just part of the process. Yes. Um, yeah. It's part of the process, but that doesn't mean that there can't be improvement along the way and that That's there right. can't be support and there's nothing worse. I don't think, than having that feeling of, Oh, we should have tried that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because then I, you carry that guilt around of, it could have been different and you, you don't know for sure, but I, I think it's kind of human nature that we let that inner critic beat us up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always say people don't know about speech therapy until they need speech therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, addressing those things that we, that you just spoke on depression and how important communication and language are, you know, there's a whole profession that is dedicated to helping to improve those, um, those deficits when they arise.
0: Well, yeah, the, the self-confidence and, and, you know, when you don't feel self-confident, then a lot of times you self-isolate and pull back. And I mean, it it can be a a nasty spiral. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, how'd we get here? Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's because
0: nobody nobody wanted to address it,
1: you know? Yeah. Um, And I would say for people who, um, who notice a change, you know, don't ignore it because, because um, people with dementia, some of them are phenomenal maskers um, and that term to mask it means that um, they're essentially covering up their deficits. So it could be them creating a joke about it, um, just trying to jump in or make light of whatever situation. Um, if you know they're constantly losing their keys or um, talking about a topic that was. Um, closed out and, you know, moved on to a different topic fifteen minutes ago, but they're still on that topic because that's what they remember. Um and if, you know, you do bring it to their attention, like, you know, mom or dad or, you know, auntie, whoever, um, we already talked about that. Well, they're not gonna say, well, I've been having a really tough time with my memory and I'm just trying to get in where I fit in so I sound natural and can still be included and participate in the conversation, they're gonna mask it and create a joke about it. So, um, I would say just keep an eye out for loved ones. If their behavior has changed in any way, it's always better to be safe than sorry, because I run into people who do say the, you know, should have, or I didn't know. Um, so investigating and taking those things very seriously are very important.
0: Yep. Well, and anytime there's a, you know, a a change, we should be noting that and, and we have to I think sometimes I know even going to the doctor with my mom, who lived with her for 30 years. Sometimes you you can make a comment, and you can say it, but it's it's also in how we say it and the urgency we put behind it in terms yeah. of what we're seeing. And I know as a care partner, sometimes we don't want to see it. We're doing our homework and we're saying it, but we don't we don't really want to go down that path either because yeah. we're uncomfortable with it. And so it's scary. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So we all have to get. Um, get better at that, um, for sure. I wanted to ask in terms of uh, your, um, your telehealth sessions, what kind of response are you getting from, uh, both a person, let's say with dementia and just patients in general, um, in terms of how they're, how they're feeling in terms of dealing with the technology?
1: They, Love it, actually. <laughs> they don't have to um, deal with traffic. They don't have to worry about the weather. They just need the good Wi-Fi connection and their computer and they're good to go. The people that I see that do have dementia, they have a spouse or a child who's with them that can help them navigate. But that's also you know, part of the functional therapy. So part of the therapy is remembering how do you find the end button How do you log off? Um, And where do you look for the camera? You know, if I have them write something down and I want to see it, I'll tell them to put it up to the camera. At first, it can be a little tough because they're holding it off away to the side and I can't see it at all. But um, they they have assistance there There is assistance typically with um, those who are in later stage dementia and require that assistance.
0: and I will just add a lot of people with with no dementia at all have <laughs> issues with holding stuff up to the camera as well.
1: so <laughs> this is- those those actually um are able to follow the directions of how to find the camera lens easier <laughs> than my patients with dementia. <laughs>
0: Well, it's funny because so many uh, people that I work with with dementia, you know, they've been doing Zoom and video conferencing for for years. And they said they've actually had an easier time adapting to COVID than a lot of other people. And so they've been teaching them how to use it because that that's really been their lifeline in so many cases, you know, where friends and family have pulled away or maybe they're not able to drive and get around like they used to. And so they really rely on this. And I think uh, I think getting people to access uh, this technology has really been a very empowering thing for for many. And it's it's fun to see the pride of, oh, we can do this, you know, (laughs) because the the fear was so strong. It kind of makes me think back to when computers first came about and you were Scared to death that if you push the wrong button, everything was going to flatline on you. And that's think, right. And I think with so many people, they, they have that premise of that's what it was like. And so they're just, you know, off to the moon. So, you know, I'm a big advocate of telehealth. I think there's a lot, a lot of pluses um, with this in terms of convenience and stress. And I think back to even with my mom with dementia, she would get stressed out going to the doctor. And so you'd tell her and she'd have to get ready. And that whole time she'd be like, what's wrong with me? What's, I mean, that's where her mind went all yeah. the time. And to just be able to pop her in front of a, a computer, she wouldn't have had that build up time Yes, yeah. to think, oh no, what's, what's wrong.
1: Yeah. That's I also that. like that, you know, help is a click away. So <laughs> With my patients, it's, you know, you can contact me if you have a question or if you're concerned or if you need to change your appointment or, you know, it's just, it's so convenient and it's so instant, you know, this is very much a time of instant, you know, gratification. We've got Amazon Prime and you want something, it can be at your door tomorrow. You don't have to leave the house. And so, you know, now speech therapy can be brought into um, the homes of people who need it um, instantly. And I love that.
0: Yeah, that's that's absolutely fantastic. Well, first I wanted to thank you too because you are part of our Dementia Map Global Resource, which I just think is so cool because I think you know, our goal is to bring all different types of resources to people and I think sometimes there are things that people don't even know that could help. Yeah. And and so I'm I'm thrilled that you're you're part of that with us. But how can people get in touch with you? What's the
1: best mode They can always visit my website, which is www.SerenitySpeechTherapy.com, and my phone number is there. They can reach out to me through the contact um, links at the bottom of each of the pages. Um, Always they can call. Their doctors can fax. My fax number is there. They can email me at info at Serenity Speech Therapy, and um, my phone number is 828-548-3155, and they can use any of those to um, reach out and communicate, as well as my social media. Um, The Facebook account is Serenity Speech Therapy, as is the Instagram account.
0: Yeah, I love the consistency. Not everybody has the consistency of, oh, yes. of what it is. So, yeah, reach out to Kelly, and um, I I love how heartfelt you are. You treat your patients like family, and you really custom designed to meet their needs. I think that's so important, you know, to have that, that true patient-centered relationship-based care, yeah. to understand if someone is having a, a difficult time or if they can push it a little bit further in terms of what are their goals and what are what are their wishes there. And again, this isn't just for dementia. Um, all ages and stages of life um, can be need speech therapy. So just know that it's there and it doesn't have to be scary. And uh, you can find a, a fabulous person like Kelly to work with. And my gosh, she's in seven states. So she, <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of people. And um, as far as insurance or private pay, that's something that you guys can discuss. This has been really helpful. Uh, Kelly, is there anything that we haven't talked about that we should mention?
1: I guess uh just a little bit more on the swallowing piece um, just how important that is as along with oral care Um, listening to your loved ones is very important. So if they're complaining that, you know, it hurts to swallow or their food is uncomfortable or if um, a pill that they're taking, they have a stuck sensation. All of those are things that speech therapists can address as well.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. And, and again, very important things to yes. know because swallowing yes. is not something that you want to play around with there. And you want to catch that as early as you can, I would imagine.
1: That's right. That's right. Swallowing can Deficits with swallowing can lead to pain and discomfort, a disinterest in food, which can lead to weight loss, um, malnutrition, dehydration. And of course, that can lead to urinary tract infections um, and all kinds of health complications that we do not want for our loved ones.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, again, Kelly Utenham, thank you so much for being with us. Um, I really appreciate your time. And again, for our audience, you can go to serenityspeechtherapy.com and get all your contact information and go ahead and, and connect with Dr. Kelly. So again, thank you so much for your time today, Kelly. Appreciate it.
1: It's my pleasure. Absolutely honored. And for those who do reach out and um, go to the website, please know that uh, consultations are free.
0: Wonderful. Oh, good to point out. Good. To point yes. Out. Free is
1: always good. That's for free, free is a favorite. Yes. 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 We should have, we should have
0: started with that.
1: <laughs> I well, should lead with that. Free <laughs> consultations. Yeah.
0: Well, again, thank you all for listening. And I hope you like click and share this with others. So speech therapy isn't a secret any locker.
1: It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed.